Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today's episode is a continuation of our conversation from last week. So welcoming back to the show today, Jen Albig, parentheses, McKay. Welcome back. Thanks, Kels. Happy to be here. <laughs> or wait, did I do it the wrong way? Jen McKay, parentheses, Albig. Yeah, that's how it is on <laughs> Facebook. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, we spent a lot of time last week talking about your teaching journey and living abroad and starting your family with your daughter, Kaylee. And when we left the conversation, you're living in South Dakota, had uh, got adjusted to your new lifestyle there. Mm-hmm. And then you and Andy decided to kind of do something really, really special. Mm-hmm. So tell me about just the thought process, like who wanted to start the conversation? Like why? Yeah. Um, so it was me. Um, I, for whatever reason, I cannot even tell you what the draw has always been for me, but I have always felt like I wanted to adopt. Something that I, I want to lead with is that I am BRCA1 positive which means I have a higher risk of ovarian and breast cancer and I am perfectly healthy. I am monitoring every six months, but knowing that I have my beautiful daughter, she is healthy, happy, but later in life, she's going to have to decide if she wants to know if she's BRCA1 or has that gene. And Mm -hmm. so there's a, you know, a 50% chance for her to have that gene passed to her. And so once, you know, once I had her, I kind of had to mentally go through, do I want another biological child? Do I, mm-hmm. do I want another child to have to possibly go through that? Do I want to put myself through that? Because again, the guilt of knowing that I know my mom has so much guilt, um, passing on to two out of the three of my sisters. Mm. I think I mentally was okay if Kaylee was my only biological child. Mm. There are times where she'll ask, you know, that, or can I want a brother or sister, you know, she'll say like, I want a brother or sister. I want someone to play with, you know, I, I tell her, you know, like mommy, mommy can't anymore. Um, Cause I did have the preventative surgery for my ovaries and tubes to be removed. Mm. And so I, I knew even, even before the surgery, before Kaylee, that I wanted to do something whether it be adopting or fostering or being a safe home for children who they had to be pulled out of their house immediately for safety reasons. And, you know, they just needed a few, a place to stay for a few days until social services could find other family members. Sure. So I, I, for whatever reason, I've just always been drawn to that. Um, So I brought it up to Andy and Andy was on board. Like I didn't have to convince him. We had to talk about what that would look like in our house. Uh, We had to talk about how many children we would be able to handle or take at a time. 
boy girl age um uh ethnicity Mm. um there's a lot of things you have to do 30 hours of training some are some is in person some is on um watching videos and answering questions, journaling, things like that. So you, you know, when you sign up to foster or adopt, you're going through a process. Um, Some processes can go faster than others. Um, But since ours wasn't an emergency, obviously we, we just went through it. Kaylee was about three when we decided to start that journey. And, um, we had to, you know, she doesn't understand, but at that time, but we basically, we had to tell her that, you know, there might be, you know, sometimes mommy and daddy might have uh, a baby come and stay with us for a couple of days, or, you know, you might have um, someone to play with for a couple of days, you know, just trying to mm-hmm. give her that preface that sometimes there might be other kids in this house that are going to sleep here. Mm. And she, I mean, oh, she was excited, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so we were probably, we did, we did the whole training and we were done in November. We did not get our first call until maybe March or April of, you know, the next year. Wow. Um, so it was a couple months that we waited. And I mean, which was fine. I mean, we're teachers, obviously we're busy, things come up, holidays. Was that just based off of there wasn't really a need or there just wasn't a need that fit kind of what you and Andy were open to or why, why was there a delay? Because you would think it's, it's a pressing issue that, you know, they're, I I just, I always hear that they're looking for foster parents. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Um, it could have just been, um, it, it didn't fit our preferences. When we first signed up, we originally said up to two children, but they had to be either Kaylee's age or younger. We always wanted Kaylee to feel like she was the oldest Mm. and we didn't have a preference on gender. We didn't have a preference on ethnicity, but we, we, one of the things was because we were teachers, we didn't think we would be able to handle high needs situations because then we would have to be teachers like 24 um, seven. Mm-hmm. And now that Kaylee's seven, obviously the, the age has changed. So now we're able to take older kids, but because of COVID, they had sent out a questionnaire about how you feel during COVID taking on new cases. And because we're both teachers, we felt like we felt like it, we couldn't do that to other kids. Like even if they were healthy, we already are potentially a high exposure. I wouldn't want to find out that I was a an exposed contact and then have to deal with anything on the fostering side with that child. I wouldn't want right. to put them in that situation. So we are not currently fostering right now, um, but we are we're still doing respite for the two kids that we originally fostered. And explain explain respite for. The listeners. So respite is when you you need a babysitter, I guess. You need somebody to watch the kids that you're fostering. So let's say we were going to go on a trip to California and we weren't going to take the the foster kids. We would need another foster family 
to watch the kids for us. Now, if you get the biological parent's permission, you can take the children with you. But there are some parents who prefer not not to have their children travel with the foster family. Right. So that's what respite is. Um, It's just a way for foster families to help each other out when they're traveling or if, you know, someone gets sick, you're Mm -hmm. still their foster family. It's just, you need someone else to watch them. Got it. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. You did end up getting matched with children. Yes. And you fostered them. Yes. So like I said, our first placement was uh, February or April and they were a brother and sister. The oldest was the boy and he was, he was actually a year older than Kaylee. Um, he was four, but he actually had a chromosomal deletion syndrome. So he had some delays cognitively, verbally. When we accepted this, we did not know that right away. We just knew that they needed a placement. Mm-hmm. And then the sister was two. I, when we went to go pick them up from Children's Home Society, I actually knew them. So I volunteer at the Teddy Bear Den in Sioux Falls, which is a program for mothers that are expecting. And I'm only able to volunteer on Saturdays because I teach during the week. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I knew them from that. They had come in with their mother. Um, so when we went to go pick them up, I, I looked at them and I, and I looked at Andy and I was like, I know them. Like, oh. and he was like, Andy had to just kind of give me the, like the hand up, like, okay, calm down. You know, <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't say anything like com- compose yourself. Yeah. You know, then of course it's just like, oh my gosh, like, I, I really want to be a part of this. Like, yeah. The Children's Home Society kind of talked with us. We got introduced to the kids. They they were, you know, smiling and just kind of wanted to talk to us. And the the sister was a little bit more timid than the brother. But the brother was just like asking Andy questions. And, you know, oh. and Andy, of course, is sticking out his hand and shaking his hand. And <laughs> how's it going, bud? And, and so, they, you know, you have that, the conversation of, things that go well, things that might be a struggle, schedules, daycare. You just kind of go over some of the things that you might need to know mm-hmm. and uh, brought them home. We showed them to their room. It, it's so whirlwind. You know, you get the call and it's like a roller coaster. Mm. Just like, okay, what, what do I need to do to get the, is the room ready? Do I have all this out? You pick them up and you're you're nervous, but excited. And then you see them and then your nerves start to calm and then it's time to bring them home. And now you kind of have to show them the ropes, you know, mm-hmm. yep. because during the training, you, they tell you, you know, they need to know, like, if there's an emergency, what do we do? They need to know where the doors are. They need to know where the bathroom is. Like you have to go through these things with them, but you don't want to overwhelm them. Sure. You know, and the two-year-old was still in diapers. So, you know, we didn't really have to worry about that one. But the four-year-old, he hadn't been potty trained yet. So he was in pull-ups and he's still pooping in his diaper and peeing in his diaper. And so that was one of the first things Andy and I said we were going to work on was that. Mm. And so we gave them the weekend because I think it was a 
Friday, a Thursday or a Friday that we got called. So it was towards the end of the school week, which was good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, After the weekend and like a week with them, we would start to do that with him and just introducing him to the potty and all that stuff. How did it go introducing Kaylee to them? What did Kaylee think? Oh, Kaylee was just so loving. She, she loved it. She loved having, I think she loved having the younger girl than the the brother. She was very welcoming to both of them. Uh, I think it was easier for her to play with the younger girl because the, the older boy wanted to play with trucks and other things like he really liked music things, things that lit up. Um, oh, sure. And Kay- Kaylee wanted to play with dolls and yeah. play babies. And uh, that was more down the two-year-old's lane. And just, she wanted to help. And th- there were things that she could help with. And then there were other things that we, mommy and daddy have to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there was definitely that boundary of you, you can't always do everything. You have to let mommy and daddy sometimes do it. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. And for those who don't know, maybe just explain just examples of different reasons of why kids might need foster care. When we first kind of looked into this, we looked at adopting right away. We looked at, you know, different organizations and we we actually were told about fostering. I think we knew about it, but somebody kind of brought it up. You know, like if you're not ready to just go right into the adopting system, there is fostering. And Mm -hmm. so we learned about fostering and it is for a a whole range of things. You know, it could be um, that the parents are not able to monetarily uh, have the children. They they don't have the funds to be able to have the children, but they Mm -hmm. obviously want, they want their children, um, but they can't afford them. So you can have, you know, your visitation rights, you can still have all those things, but they have a foster family. It could be because parents are incarcerated. It could be parents are in rehab. It could be physical violence, unfortunately, 
towards mm. towards a spouse or the children. Mm. It could be a judge order. Uh, you know, if there's some kind of court issue happening, the judge could order that the child go into the foster care system and then um, the parents have to figure out a way to regain their parenting rights. Mm. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways that kids need foster families. Um, on a, a, something that I had brought up before was the safe house. A safe house is even before the kids go into the foster system. And that's actually where the younger girl was. She was in a safe house and her brother was at the children's home society. So they actually got split up for Aww. two weeks. Oh my gosh. Sad. They, so that was the, the immediate, immediate placement from their parents was that she go to the safe house and he goes to the children's home society. And so when we um, took them for the placement for foster family, we actually met the safe house mom because she brought the, the girl and then that they got to see each other. And that, so it was just like this reunion almost, if you will, um, mm -hmm. which kind of made it really special for them because they got to reunite and, you know, stay together for, um, for us, for fostering. So it, it's fair to say that kids in foster care are probably coming from some kind of unstable situation. Yes, unfortunately. Does that make it difficult for them to adjust? I, I, I certainly don't think that you need to speak for all um, foster children. I'm yeah. for for the pair that you specifically took. How did they? adjust to living in your home? Uh, I, I think they did so well. I mean, and I think age has a factor. And I think originally when Andy and I talked about it, it was, you know, how much do we want them to have been exposed to something? And the fact that Kaylee was only three and we wanted Kaylee to be the oldest. I mean, and as she's grown up and has kind of gone through this with us, I think she's, you know, understanding of it. But I think both of them um, knowing that they had a bed to sleep in, that, you know, they had hugs and they had toys to play with. Uh, we, we would read books together and sing songs and go outside and play. I feel, I mean, you know, and I have that bias opinion. I mean, I feel like they, they adapted well to a loving environment, uh, an mm -hmm. environment where we were trying to support them. The sister, the younger sister, again, like I said, she was kind of timid. She took a little while to warm up. Mm. But I tell you what, she warmed up to Andy like nobody's business. Like Aww. Andy, still to this day when we do respite for them, she runs up to him. And the first thing he does is goes over and gets a mini marshmallow that they get to, like she knows. She has Andy wrapped around her little finger. Oh, they, they formed a really special bond when they were here. I think the brother and I formed a, a, a connection as well, um, just cause he was older and he, he wanted to talk so much. He, he just wanted people to listen mm. and that it can be very over that aspect can be very overwhelming from coming from teaching to home. Oh where you want to kind of have some downtime. He has just this positive outlook on life, which 
he has grown. I mean, he's, they're both older now and they have grown into these little humans with, you know, great outlooks on life. So it's, it's great to see that we were the start of that. Oh, that's really cool. So how long were they with you? Okay. So they were with us until the end of summer. So we had them for four or five months. Okay. Over the summer, um, Andy and I kind of talked and we originally, we had said we couldn't see ourselves handling a high needs situation. And unfortunately the brother was, Mm. it was just a lot for us to be able to come home and have to still be giving so much to him. Mm -hmm. And it, it took away from, you know, sometimes from Kaylee or from the sister. Um, he just, he needed, he needed more and we were doing so much. Um, but it just, we knew going into a new school year, starting the school year, it was going to be a lot for us to Mm -hmm. manage. Like when, when they came, it was the end of the school year, things were winding down. Um, and then we had summer, which was great. And so we told their caseworker probably in June, um, as much as we love having them, we know that it's a lot for us as being teachers, you know, the, the time that we're giving when we come home and being teachers at home and, you know, just that constant. And when we said that, that mom, that mom guilt kicked in, like, and they're not biologically my kids, but I felt like I was letting them down. And you, if you are going to foster or adopt, you have to be completely honest with yourself. You have to know what you are capable of or not capable of. And if something changes, you have to be able to say that. And they told you that in the training, Mm -hmm. when something changes, you have to acknowledge that because Mm -hmm. you don't want to put yourself or the kids in a situation where it's jeopardizing someone, whether it be yourself, your family, or the foster kids. And so as guilt-ridden as I was about it, I knew we had to tell the caseworker. And we told we told her, there's no rush. Like we would love th- for them to be able to be here this summer. We would love to be able to help transition them to their next house. But, you know, the beginning of the school year is August 22nd, you know, just kind of keeping that in mind. Mm-hmm. They They were able to find another placement. We were able to have you know, a, a meeting of sorts where they got to meet the the other foster parents and, but they were still obviously staying with us. Um, it gave us an opportunity to talk to them and to kind of go over things, kind of like what we did at the Children's Home Society, sure. but it was at our house, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and they had actually brought over their youngest daughter. So the two of them got to meet one of their siblings that they would have at the, the new, the new house. The teacher comes out of me, you know, and I, I wrote out like the kids schedules, what works yeah. well for, for the brother and for the sister. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote down allergies to things. Um, I wrote down, or I had all the papers from the doctor visits that we had to do when they first came to us. I made a file. Everything that you will need to know is here. If you have questions, let me know. Like I wanted to be available 
for them to ask questions if needed. Sure. I I don't want to say that it was so worthwhile. I am so glad that we did it, but handing it over was just really hard and you want to make it as easy as possible an easy transition for the kids, an easy transition for the new foster family. I just wanted to give as much as I could to them. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Are you today still... I guess on the list or, or an active foster couple. Um, I wouldn't say active because of COVID. Oh, if, sure, sure, sure. If there was no COVID. Yes, we would still be on. Is that one placement the only one that you've had? So those two were our only placements. Yes. Okay. We have done respite for others. Oh, okay. Um, we've done um, a two-girl sibling. We've done. Um, a one girl and a brother, sister, another brother, sister. So we've done other respites, but they were our only placement. So, and and that's, I mean, still to like, they're still special to us to this day. We still do respite for them. We're, we, the, the foster parents, she still send me pictures of them on holidays. So yeah, I mean, when they come over here, they know, they know where their room is. They, they know where the toys are. They, I mean, they've, it's like they're back at home, like at home, you know, so they know our dog boy. Oh, <laughs> when they first got here, the boy was very terrified of dogs. And now he comes and he's like, can I go see you boy? Can I go Aww, pet boy? Sweet. It's, you know, and they grow up obviously, and they mature in their own ways. But, you know, I really feel like they, they got to grow a lot here. And they've just been growing since, you know, they've really strived in school, preschool. The girl's in preschool right now and the boys in kindergarten and which is awesome. What does their future hold? What is the the ultimate goal of fostering? Is it is the goal to get them back to 
their mother or is the goal to get them adopted? Like, does it depend on the family? What role does fostering play in all that? Right. Yeah. So going into it, the training always says fostering, the end goal is the reunification. You want them back with their parents. Okay. So going into it that you got to keep that in mind. Every time we do respite or if I get a picture, I always ask, you know, how things are going. And so I, I get updates on how that reunification is going. Unfortunately, it's, it is not going well for them. Mm. You know, they, they have been with this family for two years now. I, I don't know at this, at this point, they will not be able to reunify with just one parent. Unfortunately, the mother cannot just have them. It has to be the mother with the dad or the, it it has, there has to be two parents, unfortunately, which I, I say, unfortunately, but it's, it's just because of the circumstance. Like, obviously you want them to have two parents, but the parents had split, but the mom can't have single mother rights to both the kids. Okay. So, and I have to imagine all of these are very situational. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. This is just, unfortunately, their circumstances. Gotcha. Okay. And because of COVID, um, I know visitation has been very slow for both parents because now they do it they're doing visitations individually because they're not together. And because of COVID and the visitation center, probably, you know, I I don't know what it looks like there, but I'm assuming it's, they're running a tight, tight ship there. Sure. Yep. So I'm not sure how often they're getting to see their biological parents. That's interesting. So going back to when you and Andy first learned about when you were considering adoption and then you learned about fostering, do you, do you envision continuing to be foster parents? Do you envision maybe exploring adoption? Like what do you see as within your future family? Yeah. Um, So I actually talked to Andy about this a couple months ago. So again, you learn a lot about yourself, what you can Mm -hmm. handle. Yep. So I've learned going from one child to three is a lot. Mm. I've learned I can't be a teacher 24 Mm -hmm. (laughs) seven. And I've learned that I don't want to feel needed 24 seven. Yeah. I have gotten away from wanting my, my own baby again. Like when we went into this, I wanted a baby. Like that's what I thought I wanted. Mm. Um, I am far from that. We, throughout the last couple of years, we've actually hosted youth exchange students through my Rotary program, which is, it's a social service organization and they have a Rotary youth exchange program. And so we hosted a girl uh, from Spain and we hosted a boy from Indonesia. And I've learned that I would love to be able to continue this process of fostering into older kids. Um, you know, as again, as Kaylee gets older, the age that we foster get older. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could potentially like 
possibly want to adopt a a 10 year old, you know, when we get to that point or something, you know, because I've been a a fifth grade teacher for years. Like that's like my, that's my grade. I love those age kids. Like you can kind of have a little more sarcastic fun with them. You, you know, they're at that age where they're trying to be independent, but they still kind of need you. Yeah. 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 That's, I've, I've learned that. I've learned that I, I kind of want to see where this takes us into the fostering for older kids as Kaylee gets older. That's really cool because it sounds like the experience of being a foster parent taught you a lot about yourself and also maybe changed a little bit what you thought you wanted. Yes, for sure. When I moved, when we moved back from Columbia with all the reverse culture and mommy guilt and things like that, I actually started counseling for myself. I had to find my identity again. I had to kind of find, you know, just my own, my own way of thinking again. Like I, not that it was like severe postpartum, um, but I, you know, looking back, I feel like that, that was some of it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, moving back, Again, not being close to my family, the mommy guilt with the breastfeeding and the emergency C-section and just all these factors that just probably piled up, um, Mm -hmm. being a wife, being a teacher, all the, all the things that I want to be to everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. I just kind of had to find myself again, um, and what I needed. And so I had started counseling. And then when we looked into the fostering, that was one of the questions is if you are in counseling. And I had to say yes, because at the, at that time um, I was still going, but not as frequently. Um, Mm -hmm. I was probably going once a month, maybe twice in a month. In some cases, I I had to uh, tell them it was more for postpartum and uh, building myself back up just from, you know, where I was, you know, the, the new mom abroad to moving to South Dakota to fostering two other kids with, you know, just this whole spectrum of things. And, um, it it does, it teaches you a lot about yourself and just being honest with yourself of what you're able to do or handle. Thank you for sharing that. I think that it takes a very self-aware and strong person to to see a therapist or to go to counseling and i think it 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 shows a lot of strength and i'm i am such an advocate when people are on the fence i just talking is so therapeutic and there's nothing wrong with spending as much time on your mental health as you would on your physical or spiritual or any other, any other piece of it, because it's all a part of, of our well-being. So, and I don't think, I mean, I know you're not alone in that. There's a lot of moms who, a lot of parents, a lot of people who go through a similar, similar situations. Have you found it to be a helpful resource for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I don't, again, I don't go as often, but I did, I had a, a check-in session with her probably, oh, I'd have to look at my calendar, maybe, you know, two months ago, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just nice to know that if I get to a, 
a situation of anxiety or I'm just kind of feeling like I don't know how to handle something. And, you know, some of it just has to do with like, sometimes talking to my mom about things is great, but sometimes I need somebody else that doesn't have, they don't know the whole thing. Like yeah. somebody, an outside eye, an outside voice, I guess. Sure. I I just like it. Like I've always journaled. Um, mm-hmm. And I still, to this day, when my students and I, we get to the, the health unit, um, I still have my eight journals, you know, that I had growing up and I put it down in front of the class and I say, what do you think these are? And they're like, books, notebooks. I'm like, nope, these are my journals. All my secrets are in here. And their, <laughs> their eyes get so big. Uh, you know, I opened my first one and they're like, oh my gosh, are they going to, is she going to read us her journal? And, uh, you know, I, I tell them the date that I, I first started journaling. I just tell them about how powerful just writing things down about how you're feeling or how things are going can be for them. Especially nowadays, you know, uh, so much more pressure can be on students sometimes. And, you know, just letting them know that it's okay. Like write things down, tell people mm-hmm. how you feel, talk to a trusted adult. I think that started with me at a young age, you know, like just journaling, you know, writing things down on how things were going and how I felt and just being self-aware. And that's cool. It's a really important skill to have. Does Kaylee journal? Kaylee loves writing. Oh my gosh. She has piles of notebooks. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I got it from my mama. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, if, if she turns into a writer, it's, it's my fault. No. (laughs) What, what do you find most rewarding about being a mom? Oh, I just, I love the moments where she is so caring for other people, how she is with other people, I guess. Like I, whenever the last two, two years, whenever we've had conferences with her teachers and they tell us how she's so patient and she's so helpful with other people and she works hard and she asks questions and she's like, I guess, a good advocate for herself. Um, I find that really rewarding, but that's also the teacher in me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I do, I always ask like, how is she with you? Does she talk nicely to you? Does she, you know, say please and thank you? Is she patient with you? Like if she doesn't understand something, does she get frustrated with you? Like when you try to explain it to her in a different way and they, they look at me with their eyes open and no, like, absolutely. Like she is so patient. She lets me like walk her through it. And I'm just like, well, good. I'm glad she's like that with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different story at home. Yes. Yeah. So I guess what I get out of that is Kaylee knows her boundaries and her limits with different environments. Like Mm. she knows that she has a loving environment at home that if she gets mad at us or frustrated or cries, she knows she can do that at home. Mm. When she's with her teachers, she knows that she she doesn't yell at her teacher if she gets mad. Like Mm. she can ask questions or, you know, but she doesn't get frustrated at them and is mean to them about it. Sure. Or, you know, that she knows how to act with her friends and, you know, just able to show kindness towards other people in her class. Mm. 
so I guess that's my, I, I mean, that's my teacher kind of answer, but also my mom answer. She knows how to be kind to other people and her teachers. So no, I, I do. I, I think that, it, that, that is a great success. I think it's challenging for some kids for sure. I've seen it. You know, it's hard for them between school and home. Sure. And she's learning that she's, she's learning it and she's doing what she needs to do. And, and she's, she's a sweet girl. She has her moments with her mommy and daddy, but (laughs) she's, she will be passionate about things. And I think I, I'm going to like that about her. Mm -hmm. I know she will get frustrated and we might have to, you know, work on how we handle that frustration. But for now, She's doing great and she's a great friend and a great daughter, great granddaughter, great um, niece, great niece. Yeah. yeah, she, she is a sweetheart. She's when I think of Kaylee, I, she is very creative. That's yeah. kind of one word that, that pops out to me. She's just a sweet, creative person. Oh, thank you. Okay, Jen, we are nearing the end here. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you were hoping we would? No, I I think we covered it all. I definitely encourage people to, you know, if you have space and love in your heart and your home to consider fostering. It's not always forever. Um, sometimes it's a couple of years. Sometimes it's a couple of months, a couple of days. But depending on your openness and your ability, uh, I would definitely look into it. What would you recommend as like a first step if someone was interested in that? Yeah. Like, you know, I was thinking of that. And like I said, we, we went through uh, private agencies first and then we ended up at like LSS and then DSS. So Lutheran social services, and then the department of social services. Okay. So there are so many different organizations, depending on your state that have programs for fostering and for adopting. I would say if you start with your state department of social services, that would be like the place to start because then everything will branch out from there because all the private organizations have to go from the state. Gotcha. Helpful. Jen, I learned a lot about your life that I didn't even know as my sister-in-law. Oh, well, good. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to share today. I think you've just led a really interesting life so far. And I think Um, a lot of the choices that you've made in life are really inspiring. So I always enjoy talking with you and I hope the listeners did as well. Thanks, Kelsa. I enjoyed being here. Now, now the other sister's been on. (laughs) I know. I just, I've got to keep filing through the family. I Mm -hmm. I have a really cool family that I, I don't take advantage of enough. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks for inviting me on. You bet. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining today. Please tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you have not already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.